Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shoo. Shoo. All right. We're <laughs> moving into... Uh, you know, deeper into the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, it reads a little bit like a poem. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very repetitive and even like the breaking of the lines is very poetic. And so now we're kind of getting into like the meat, um, you know, the, these like prose sections, uh, that are just like super theologically dense, tons of application. Um, and they're beautiful. They're challenging. And so we got, uh, the famous salt and light yeah. image, you know, where we get the salt of the earth mm -hmm. people kind of, uh, phrase and, yeah. um, you know, songs and whatnot. And so we have that whole, uh, spiel. And then Jesus goes straight off of that into talking about how he relates to the law and the prophets. Yeah. So Tally, can you help us make sense of what we see um, here in these two metaphors and then how Jesus moves into the law and the prophets? Well, <laughs> I will try. Yeah. Um, I know most of us have already heard something about salt and light and the importance of preservation and all these things. Yep. Um, and so I don't want to belabor that, but as a foodie, I do just want to emphasize that. Um, and a great chef. Oh, thank you. Great chef. Um, you know, for modern Americans, salt is cheap and easy to find. Yep. <laughs> and we go to the grocery store, it's on the bottom shelf. Variations of it. There's certainly more expensive types, but it's easy to acquire and often overlooked. And it, it sits at the table unused and available, but largely just, <laughs> you know, yep. has little influence unless picked up and taken. But from the beginning of civilization, we need to remember, like up until about 100 years ago, salt was probably one of the most sought after human commodities <laughs> available to yeah. man. Um, it had incredible value, not just for food, but for flavor and like preservation. In fact, salt was so uh, valuable that it was often used as rations or payment to soldiers. Wow. So like it it what it is not this small little thing. It is very very significant, very valuable. Um and so, you know, that saying like that's where the word uh know know their worth what is it? Their worth not worth their salt. That's what it is. Yeah, I literally just searched that yes. etymology. Yeah. Yes, and it's from paying people in salt. 
yeah. because it was so valuable. Straight up. And so, you know, it's kind of obvious when you think about it. There's salt salt is always used for something else salt in itself sitting on a table not very valuable but mm. the salt being used for something mm-hmm. incredibly valuable and has a purposed intent attached to it wow. um it doesn't exist for itself and mm. so us being called the salts we don't exist for ourselves sheesh we exist what a word. to be Golly. used by god <laughs> i love that <laughs> well i mean I just love it. And so then, I mean, we can sit on that and I'm sure you have thoughts, but like the light of the world, again, let's look back to two things. Jesus himself was called the light. Mm. This is another name of God that we are being, that is being um, given over to. We are, we are receiving the light of Christ, but then also we take electricity. I'm looking around us. We take the flipping on of a light very, very for granted. And so when we read that, oh yeah, light, we have it available. We have it everywhere. We have it on our phones, in our pocket. We have the power to that. These people did not. And so for them to hear about the importance of light, um, for them, it was very valuable. Mm. Again, the value system, these are things that we take for granted, everyday things that we don't highly esteem, but to them, this was not just a flip on a switch. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it was a vital for uh, so many things. I mean, I could just go into, I'm going to yeah. stop talking now. You're, it's your turn. I'm done. No, I love it. That was, <laughs> I mean, great, great words. I mean, I love uh, that whole like salt does not exist for itself. Like the thought of, of, taking like a spoonful of salt right now and just like throwing it down the hatch like makes my mouth like, <laughs> dry a little bit <laughs> yeah exactly it's like i'm i'm already thirsty just thinking about that but like the idea of you know a great meat or like whatever uh with you know the right treatment yeah that that is a great image um i love that okay light um you know i, I think like just uh one of the things where this is really convicting to me yeah. is light and dark are utterly distinct from each other, yes. right? Like there's, there's no similarities between light and dark. Right. They they are opposites. Yeah. And uh, I love this statement that Jesus weaves in, which I, I think can sometimes like, at least I have like grazed over and gone more into the like light under a basket sort mm. of thing. But he says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. <laughs> and to me, like what that seems to imply is like this idea is if, if you are filled with faith and righteousness, yeah. um, if you know God, you, your life is just, you know, fundamentally distinct yeah, from what good. it was before. And it's fundamentally distinct from the lives of other people who do not share that in common. You are of the light. You are not of the darkness. And that's, that is like, if that's not a theme throughout the Bible, I don't know what is, you know, from Genesis one to revelation 22. So, uh, but I think for me, like where I get specifically convicted by this phrase, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden is there's like sometimes this impulse I think there's a lot of like historical factors that play into this and then just human nature factors that play into this. But as a Christian, I don't really want to be a city on a hill. <laughs> yes. I don't want people to see like my, my inward, like evangelistic uh, strategy is like, 
I'd rather be more like a bunker, like on the other side of the hill <laughs> and be like, see that, you know, yes. like come up here and then like, Oh look, yeah. like there's a bunker right here. You yeah. know, like I'd rather like fool people into thinking like, Oh, I'm cool. I'm fun. I'm mm. funny. I'm whatever. And mm. then I happen to be Christian and, and Jesus is saying like to know God, to be poor in spirit, to be a peacemaker, to rejoice in the face of persecution, all this you are, you cannot, that cannot be hidden. Mm. And so really like at the end of the day to, to be a Christian and to try to conceal, uh, knowing God for some sake of like, you know, whether it's some evangelistic strategy where you like want to work around that or whether it's just like shame and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, like a fear of man sort of complex. Yeah you cannot hide the fact that you are distinct from the world. And in fact, you're doing a great disservice Absolutely, because what people actually want to see is light. Right. And so people who actually are peacemakers, people who are actually are merciful and meek are not an eyesore to this world. Now, like Christian virtues divorced of the character of Jesus, that is an eyesore to the world. Yes. Yes, indeed. But to, to know God, to embody him, even if, even though people will persecute that, even though people will oppose that, um, one-on-one, like that is a beacon of hope right? that can't be hidden. And yeah. so let your light shine That's that good. people would give glory to God. Well, and if you think about it, like this light is meant to be shared with the world. Okay. So think about what the world is doing. Are they reading the Bible? Hmm. No. So the Bible is not the light of the world. The Bible is the light to Christians, Mm. but we are the light to the world and the world is reading Christians. Yeah. And so like our light is to shine as we read and know the light of Christ found through his word as he reveals himself to us. And so like, you know, and I think also Jesus knew what was going to happen to the disciples. And I sometimes wonder if even saying like to not hide their light was just planting seeds that they would draw upon after he departed this world, that there would come a time of persecution, that they would want to hide Mm. their light. There would be this impulse to be hidden and small and to avoid being a city on a hill, a beacon of hope Mm. that stands out, that cannot be missed. Mm -hmm. Um, in his loving kindness, just encouraging them like, no, that's, that's not what it's for. But then also like, this is not, this is that the glory of God may be known, not that their own, you know, glory and their good. It says, you know, that they may see your good works. Yes. See the good work, but give glory to your father who is in heaven. That is the ultimate aim for this is the light is shining, not for self, you know, glorying, but Mm. in the glory of God. Um, Absolutely. You know, we probably don't have time to dive like too, too deep, but we do need to talk about something that's mildly important, which is (laughs) Jesus fulfilling the law and the prophets. Um, This is like one of the biggest themes of Matthew so far. I mean, Matthew is literally just pelting us with Old Testament references, like chapters one through five so far. Like it's just, he did this, which was to fulfill this this person, like John the Baptist came to fulfill this. And he's just like snapping these off to show to his early Jewish audience. Matthew is primarily written to a Jewish audience. Hey, this is not a departure from Judaism. Right. This is not an amendment to our old sacred religion. Right. This is what it's all been about the entire time. Don't 
miss right. it. Don't miss Jesus. And so now like Jesus, this is a, a crucial part of this sermon, this understanding this is not a new thing that I'm teaching you. And he's about right. to get into the law right. and the prophets. Right. He's exactly. like, hey, look, I'm not I'm not relaxing anything. That's right. I'm not changing the rules, but I'm fulfilling. That's I'm right. I'm going deeper than any rabbi, any Pharisee, any Sadducee ever has before. Right. And uh and then, you know, he he gets a good little dig in at the Pharisees and scribes saying that actually your righteousness has to exceed yeah. the Pharisees and scribes right. to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Which then you just juxtapose that with, well, who did he just say the kingdom of heaven belongs to? That's right. Looking the back. spiritually bankrupt, right. the mourning, right. the persecuted. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so, what you said was so good. Um, I think Jesus wanted to make it abundantly clear that he had authority apart mm. from the law of Moses, right? And that he wasn't contradicting the law of Moses. Um, Jesus added nothing to the law except for one thing that no man could add, perfect obedience. Mm. That is the only thing to the law he added was mm-hmm. his full obedience to it. Um, and this is one way that he actually did fulfill the law. But then, you know, I think as modern believers, we don't actually understand this as fully as we could because we don't know these rules. These aren't as important to us. The, yep. the laws of Moses, we know the Ten Commandments perhaps, but even those we get out of order. But these people in this time, this was everything. And so the big deal nature of this part, as you were saying before, doesn't quite hit home, I think, for the modern reader as much as it should. Absolutely. Um, but it's important, I think, to sit in as best you can and and just realize that what you're going to read is that Jesus often challenges man's interpretation of the law, especially Sabbath religion um, regulations and such. But Jesus never broke the law of God. Mm-hmm. And so don't be confused as we go into the next portions thinking, oh, Jesus is rewriting. No, he's actually taking the heart and the intent of the law Mm-hmm. and highlighting what God's desire for the law is and not the application that the Sadducees and the Pharisees had added to. I do think it's interesting, though, the word jot or iota. Um, it's just a fun little little thing here. A jot refers to the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Mm. It looks like a half letter. And the word iota, also referred to as a tittle, which we don't use that word in modern talking, um, is a really small mark in a Hebrew letter that makes two letters totally different from one another, which changes the meaning completely. And so I think he's saying here that not just the message, but the words themselves matter Mm. and that he is not going to let them pass until they're fulfilled. And so like even the smallest detail matters to him. Mm -hmm. That's how much he is able to fulfill. And no man is able to fulfill that. Mm. Um, Absolutely. So, Gosh. I love it. I love it. So I good. wish we could keep going. I know. I wish we could keep going. I know. But uh, luckily for everyone else, this is a short form podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so go and about your day. All right. Well, um, we are going tomorrow to get into a very non-convicting, easy topic, which is <laughs> being angry at people. So um, we'll see you then for, for the great Tally Coughlin. Uh, this is Will Carlisle. We'll see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm. Thanks for listening to our daily rhythm. 
I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.